I'm Zach Goodwin with G2 Farms in Alvarez, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. We are locked, loaded, and ready to roll with another edition of Texas Ag Today. All you've got to do is jump on in with me and buckle up. We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, very unfortunate story. A Texas cattle scheme has left three dead and several creditors holding a lot of debt. We'll have more on that coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the piney woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos, and from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. We might be looking at a season of change in the Texas High Plains as spring planting gets underway. I'm James Hunt and we'll talk about that on Texas Ag Today. The value of the beef checkoff and getting red meat exports on the world's table. I'm Tom Nicoletti and I'll have comments from the chairman of the U.S. Meat Export Federation on Texas Ag Today. Bermudagrass decline is characterized by gradual thinning or outright loss of Bermudagrass stands over time. We will discuss reasons associated with Bermudagrass decline. I'm Dr. Vanessa Olson from Overton. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. Three people have committed suicide and creditors have been fooled out of more than $150 million in a fraudulent cattle scheme here in Texas. According to Beef Magazine and Drovers, the main player in the scheme was Brian McLean of McLean Farms in Benton, Kentucky. He committed suicide last month when the scheme unraveled. A commodity broker and one investor have also reportedly committed suicide. It apparently started six years ago when McLean promised big returns for those who invested in his Texas-based 7M cattle feeders in Hereford and McLean Feed Yard in Friona. Some of those investors did receive profits, but they were paid with borrowed money. McLean's main financer, Rabel AgriFinance, became suspicious last month when his inventory on paper reached 88,000 head. Rabo ordered an inventory check and could only find about 10,000 head. A big list of creditors is left holding McLean's unpaid debts, including Ag Texas Farm Credit Services, First Capital Bank of Texas, Caterpillar, and Rabo AgriFinance, along with many private investors. Last year was a challenging one for growing cotton here in Texas with massive crop failures in many areas of the state. But some cotton growers managed to grow some outstanding cotton. Those growers were honored recently in a ceremony in Lubbock to recognize the members of the BASF FiberMax One Ton Club. We really didn't know going out of the uh, 2022 season with the drought that we had with how many participants we were going to have and whether we were going to have many at all. 
And uh, we actually had um, 104 growers that participated um, from 51 different farms, um, which was pretty equivalent to what we had the previous year. So I guess it just goes to show you the tenacity that these growers have and what they can accomplish even in, in detrimental times. That's Mark Kelling, an area manager for BASF here in Texas, based in Hondo. He says the company celebrated the 18th year of the FiberMax One Ton Club to recognize growers who get a 2,000-pound yield on at least 20 acres of FiberMax cotton. We invited those growers that produced one ton of cotton this past year to our One Ton Club event, and uh, we honored them with an awards banquet and uh, with some awards themselves. And, and um, then we also had a drawing, a big drawing for, for a truck, a two-year lease for a truck. The top prize this year went to Mustard Seed Farms of Clarendon, Texas, which produced 2,670 pounds per acre. We may be looking at a season of change on the Texas High Plains as spring planting gets underway. James Hunt has the story from Amarillo. In today's report, we go back to my conversation with Texas A&M AgriLife agronomist Jordan Bell and get her thoughts on the season ahead. Planting is now in its earliest stages here in the Texas High Plains, but even with that, Dr. Bell told me there remains some mystery about how much of which crops will be planted. I think we're going to see big acreage shifts this year. I know that many farmers are just undecided, even this late in the game, about what they are going to do. Producers, of course, are watching commodity prices. As we have looked at the cotton markets lately, you know, it's it's been a little more volatile than people would have hoped. And so producers are weighing the input costs for crops like cotton and even our grain corn with possibly contracts for forages. Forage prices are still very high and very strong. And so if producers are able to secure forage contracts, I know that they are looking at those very seriously. Dr. Bell says another factor Texas High Plains farmers are having to consider is what crops work best with our region's declining irrigation capacity. Ultimately, it could be those water challenges that wind up tipping the scales toward one particular crop. Sorghum really has a good opportunity, I think, to really take a lot of acres this year. Sorghum price is good. Um, When we look at sorghum management and its drought and heat tolerance, it is very well adapted to our dry land and limited irrigated acres. And so that does give sorghum an advantage. Of course, with sorghum, farmers can choose between producing a grain crop or going the silage route. We'll hear more from Dr. Bell in tomorrow's report. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The beef checkoff is getting more U.S. beef sold around the world. Tom Nicoletti visits with the chairman of the U.S. Meat Export Federation. My guest today is Dean Meyer. He is the new chairman of the U.S. Meat Export Federation. He is a producer from Rock Rapids, Iowa. And uh, Dean, uh, certainly the beef checkoff is helping USMEF in getting uh, the word out and the exports out uh, across the world uh, of red meat exports. Really, the beauty of the U.S. Meat Export Federation is being able to bring nine different sectors of the industry together, whether it be those that produce the feed, the actual product, or those that market it, the packers and purveyors, and how we can all set together at one table 
together market U.S. red meat, put U.S. red meat on the world's table. We got staff in 18 different countries. We got events going on in almost 80 countries. The producer is an important key ingredient to that, how we can together, whether you're a Texas cattle feeder, an Indiana soybean producer, an Iowa pork producer, we can go together mutually and uh, sell our story and our product, especially in those Southeast Asia countries. They want to hear that. That's what they want is the whole story. Of course, Texas is number one beef producing state in the nation. Uh, there are cattle feed lots and cattle feeders, uh, of course, in Texas. So certainly uh, this is very important uh, to the state. It is. And beef exports have been tremendous. And it's only happening because of the beef checkoff. Those dollars are leveraged with government funds. The funds are only administered by participation in the checkoff. And then they're also leveraged with industry dollars. You can go to promotions in Korea, for example, where Costco will throw in dollars. And I've seen that checkoff dollar return 26 to 1 because of the value that it adds to the producer in Texas or whatever state you're raising that beef in. So it's important. And that's what really makes the wheels turn here at USMEF. That is Dean Meyer. He is the chairman of the U.S. Meat Export Federation. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Bermuda grass decline happens when stands thin or die out altogether. Forage specialist Dr. Vanessa Olson looks at some causes. The lack of an appropriate fertility program may be the number one cause of Bermuda grass decline. Nitrogen is important for forage production. However, it is often the only nutrient applied. Phosphorus and potassium are critical for forage production and persistence. Potassium has been shown to be an important nutrient for forage, stolen, and rhizome production. It is also associated with improving Bermuda grass tolerance to both winter kill and disease. Soil testing is a critical step in knowing what levels of nutrients are required. Too heavy of a stocking rate places excessive grazing pressure on forage resources. Heavy grazing pressure can reduce animal performance, but just as importantly, can decrease plant vigor. A reduction in plant vigor reduces plant growth and can be a contributing factor in Bermuda grass decline. Reduced moisture results in reduced forage production. Even though we cannot control Mother Nature, we can follow best management practices such as fertility, stocking rate, and weed control during years of adequate moisture. Following best management practices can help to reduce the impact of drought. Invasive weeds can dominate pastures and reduce the productive capability of Bermuda grass. Weed identification is critical to determine the best time to control as well as what is the best herbicide to spray. Grasshopper and fall armyworm infestations can have a devastating effect on Bermuda grass production in the summer and fall. These pests rob you of valuable forages for grazing or hay production. Scouting for these insects early and following with appropriate pesticides can reduce possible damage. As always, follow the label of all pesticides. The label is the law. This is Dr. Vanessa Olson with Texas A&M AgriLife Extension in Overton for Texas Ag Today. The Texas Parks and Wildlife Department is investigating a new case of chronic wasting disease. I'm Jessica Dolmel and I'll have more coming up on Texas Ag Today. And mineral supplementation is usually needed in a beef cow herd. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today.
As planting season begins across the country, the American Seed Trade Association reminds farmers to follow the basic steps for seed treatment stewardship. Follow directions on seed container labeling. Eliminate weeds in the field prior to planting. Minimize dust by using advanced seed flow lubricants. Be aware of honeybees and hives located near the field. Ensure that any spilled seeds are removed or covered by soil to protect wildlife and the environment. And remove all treated seed left in equipment. For more information, visit seed-treatment-guide.com or contact your seed dealer. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Mineral supplementation is usually needed in a beef cow herd. Dr. Bob Judd says the quality of the mineral you use is important. The quality of the mineral includes the amount of mineral in the supplement, bioavailability of the mineral, and the mineral in the forage that is being fed. The Beef Cattle Institute at Kansas State indicates that soil mineral content, plant availability, forage species, and maturity can all affect the mineral content of the forage consumed, and different regions of Texas have different contents of forages. Also, soil characteristics, such as clay content and pH, also affect the availability of minerals in the plants. So you need to use minerals that are formulated specifically for your area of Texas. Mineral content is greater in lush growing grasses than more mature plants and legumes contain different amounts of minerals than cool season or warm season grasses. Also, the different concentration of minerals changes as the plant matures, so you have to consider the time of year, type of forage, and maturity of the forage when you choose a mineral for your grazing beef cattle. To do it correctly, it is more complicated than just going in the feed store and purchasing a basic cattle mineral. It is worthwhile to check with the Texas A&M AgriLife Extension Service agents in your area or your local veterinarian before purchasing cattle mineral. As far as bioavailability, there are multiple types of supplement sources, including oxide, sulfate, chloride, and organic and all differ in bioavailability. Generally, organic sources are the most bioavailable, while sulfate and chloride sources are about equal in bioavailability. Oxide sources are generally lower in bioavailability, except magnesium oxide, which is similar in bioavailability to magnesium chloride and magnesium sulfate. I'm veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The Texas Parks and Wildlife Department is investigating a new case of chronic wasting disease. Jessica Domel has the story in today's Wildlife Report. State officials have confirmed the first case of chronic wasting disease, which is a fatal neurological deer disease, in Sutton County. According to the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department, a four-year-old white-tailed buck at a deer breeding facility tested positive in live animal testing to determine if he was eligible to be transferred to a registered release site. The positive test was confirmed by the Texas A&M Veterinary Medical Diagnostic Lab and the National Veterinary Services Lab in Ames, Iowa. Since the detection, TPWD and the Texas Animal Health Commission took action to secure all the deer at the facility and investigate the potential spread of the disease to other deer breeders and release sites. Initial investigations indicate 10 additional breeding facilities and 18 release sites may be impacted from previous transfers of deer that originated in the Sutton County facility. That investigation is ongoing. CWD is a degenerative neurological disease that can affect white-tailed deer, mule deer, elk, moose, and other members of the deer family. It can be spread to susceptible animals via direct contact with an infected animal or through indirect contact with infected items in the environment. 
Infected animals shed prions through their saliva, urine, feces, blood, and soft antler material that can live in the environment and infect other animals. CWD has an incubation period that can span years, so an infected animal may have it for years without showing any symptoms. In response to a CWD detection, Texas Parks and Wildlife usually establishes a CWD containment and surveillance zone to monitor the potential spread of the disease. We'll have details on that as they're released. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. We had a strongly higher trade in the cattle complex Tuesday, but cotton and corn prices headed lower. We'll check out all the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Texas Farm Bureau has served farm families in rural Texas for nearly 90 years. We're pleased to offer new affordable health care coverage choices for all Texans through Texas Farm Bureau Health Plans. You do not need to be a member to inquire and apply. Plans are available anytime. There is no open enrollment period. Our United Healthcare Choice Plus network of providers is one of the largest available. For more information about the different plans, how to apply, or to get a quote for you, your family, or your small business, call 833-TX-HEALTH or visit 833-TXHEALTH.COM. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. A strongly higher close in the cattle complex. In Tuesday's trade, we finished higher on both live and feeder cattle. June live cattle up a dollar fifty, one sixty three ninety two. The August up a dollar forty seven, one sixty one fifty five. While October live cattle were up a dollar twenty, one sixty five thirty two. Nice gains on the feeder cattle market. May feeders up two fifty at two o five ninety two. August up three o two, two twenty six twelve. With September feeder cattle up three dollars, two twenty nine sixty five. Cash fed cattle market still quiet for the week. No sales to report. Boxed beef prices higher. Choice up a dollar seven, three oh nine sixty three. Select was up ninety three cents, two eighty six oh five. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Kenny Mingus, Milam County Livestock Auction, my guest. Kenny, how was your Friday sale? Well, it turned out good, Larry. Had a total of nineteen forty-nine. Out of that mix, we had 610 cows, 57 bulls, and 97 bars. Walk the pins with us. With the steers, under 300, 180 to $3. Three to four hundred pound steers, one sixty five to two eighty two and a half. Four to five hundred pound steers, one forty one to two seventy, and over five hundred, one ten to two forty seven. On the heifers, under three hundred, one fifty to two sixty. Three to four hundred pound heifers, one thirty four to two fifty five. Four to five hundred pound heifers, one ten to two fifty, and over five hundred eighty to two twelve. Packer cows about steady, sixty to a dollar ten. Packer bulls the same, seventy to one twenty three. On your bread cows, four fifty to fifteen hundred. On your cow calf pairs, five twenty to eighteen hundred. Good. Now, what are we anticipating this week? Well, you know, we got a chance of rain all week, so I don't know. I I really didn't think we'd have many this many last week. Uh, you know, that several drags of cows and and uh, but you know, this like we talked to been talking the last month. The way this market is, is we're pulling some cattle forward. They're cleaning up these old cows that need to be gone and. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, don't have a lot on the books yet, but uh, hopefully we'll get something shaken by the by the end of the week, and, and we're going to sell them to the highest bidder on that day. At Milam County Livestock up there on the Little River, Kenny Mingus, tell everybody how to contact you. You bet. We're around 254 697 You can follow us on our webpage at com or catch us on Facebook. We appreciate you. Thank you so much. Thank you, and have a great week, Larry. Neighbor, hope you have a good week, too. This has been Walking the Pins on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. You're listening to us on Texas Ag Today. Back over to the futures market now, where lean hogs finished higher in Tuesday's trade. May hogs up 65 cents, 76.27. June up a dollar ten at eighty four forty. Class three milk was lower. The nearby May contract down six cents at sixteen forty a hundredweight, while June milk was down sixteen sixteen eighty eight a hundred. Triple digit losses in the cotton market. Several factors pushing cotton prices down. Rain in the forecast for West Texas. One of those factors. Also a higher U.S. dollar and weak Chinese economic data. All weighing heavily on prices. July cotton down 231 points Tuesday, closing at 80.99. October cotton down 226 points at 81.59. December down 199 points, 81.01. Corn market had double-digit losses in Tuesday's trade. China canceled yet another purchase of old crop corn from the U.S. That's the third cancellation of a previous corn sale to China in the last three weeks and definitely is not a good development for a market already struggling with exports. July corn dropped 11 and 3 quarters to close at 584 and 3 quarters. September corn down 13 and 3 quarters, 519 a bushel. In the wheat market, we had a higher close on hard wheat, lower on the soft wheat market. Hard wheat market finishing higher after USDA releases latest weekly crop ratings and the poor to very poor categories continue to increase. That caused July Kansas City wheat to go up 12 cents, 8.56 and a quarter, while July Chicago wheat was down 10 and a half at 6.43 and a half. In the energy markets, June natural gas up 2 cents, 2.26. June West Texas crude up 44 at 73.60 a barrel. The financial markets slightly lower Tuesday afternoon. The Dow down one point at 33,617. The NASDAQ down 63, 12,190. The S&P down 11 at 4,126. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the U.S. of A., Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.